0: Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinet. Quirinius was a military leader and Roman consul in Central Asia Minor, and later Imperial Legate of Syria Cilicia, from the years AD 6 to 9, where Jewish historian Josephus notes that, as governor, he conducted a census. The census decree Enrollment or registration, at the time of Jesus' birth, referred to in the Gospel of Luke, isn't, however, recorded historically. But Christians believe it probably took place under a kind of extraordinary command authority Quirinius possessed during his military maneuvers in Cilicia, or possibly during a brief earlier stint as governor in Syria from 6 to 4 BC. Let's find out more about this conundrum with the help of the Paulogia podcast.
1: The beloved Jesus birth narrative is found in only two places in the New Testament, the start of Matthew and the start of Luke. The two accounts have relatively little overlap. Matthew tells of an angel visiting Joseph and Magi wise men, while Luke has an angel visiting Mary and shepherds hearing the news. What most people know is some kind of amalgamation version that mashes the account from Luke and the account from Matthew together into a single pageant-length tale. And when it comes to historical accuracy, having multiple accounts can really help authenticate the details. For example, Matthew 2 verse 1 says,
0: After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod,
1: anchoring precisely the timing of the event, during the time of King Herod. The Gospel of Luke mentions Herod as well. We can quite firmly place the start of Herod's reign in 37 BC, when the Roman Senate gave him the title King of Judah. Historian Josephus lived in the first century, and he wrote about the passing of Herod the Great. In his books Antiquities and the Jewish War, he records that Herod's reign was 34 years, and his death was shortly before a Passover and a lunar eclipse. In 1986, Emil Schurer published his calculations, factoring in all the data provided, and came up with a date of 4 BC that has remained scholarly consensus to this day. Prior to this, a date of 1 B.C. had been assumed. It is agreed all around that Herod's son Archelaus took over ruling in 4 B.C., and the Herod in the Gospels is still visiting dignitaries and ordering the deaths of children. This is while Herod is still in charge, not a man on his deathbed. So either date for the death, 4 B.C. or 1 B.C., it seems Doc Brown would have missed Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 2 gives us some more data points we can use to corroborate this timing. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Caesar Augustus ruled from 27 BC to 14 AD. So this works just fine with our 4 BC estimate. It continues. This was the first census that took place while Corinius was governor of Syria. I'm sure if we check the dates on this Corinius fellow that we will further affirm our dates. So Josephus Antiquities 18.1 tells us, Quirinius, a Roman senator who had proceeded through all the magistricities to the consulship, and a man who was extremely distinguished in all other aspects, arrived in Syria, dispatched by Caesar to be governor of the nation and to make an assessment of their property. So far so good. Even this assessment is promising. Let's keep reading. Quirinius also visited Judea, which had been annexed to Syria, in order to make an assessment of the property of the Jews and to liquidate the estate of Archelaus. Now wait a minute, Archelaus is Herod's son, the son who took over in 4 BC. What's this liquidation? In the tenth year of Archelaus' rule, the leading men among the Jews and Samaritans, finding his cruelty and tyranny intolerable, brought charges against him before Caesar. Now the territory subject to Archelaus was added to the province of Syria, and Corinius, a man of consular rank, was sent by Caesar to take his census of property in Syria and to sell the estate of Archelaus. Wait. Quirinius became governor after the 10th year of Archelaus' rule? But Archelaus' rule began when Herod died. If Quirinius became governor of Syria 10 years after Herod died, then he can't have been governor when Herod was alive. Luke can't be correct. There's a 10-year gap between these two things. Well, now we're in trouble. The Bible can't be wrong. Maybe we should ask J. Warner Wallace, the former cold case detective who's all the rage in amateur apologetic circles. He'll know what's what. With
2: Corineus this idea is that, hey, whoever wrote this, apparently as somebody who's unfamiliar with the real history of what happened, some scholars will say, hey, you know, there's some recent archaeological discoveries that seem to reveal that we have a couple of Quiriniuses in play. More than one Corineus in play. Tell me more. For example, there's a Corineus that's mentioned uh, in John McRae's book called Archaeology in the New Testament that was first examined by a guy named Jerry Vardaman. So maybe a coin.
1: Maybe a coin? Doesn't sound like you're very excited, detective. Dr. Jerry Vardaman passed away in 2000, but was a lecturer in archaeology and religion at Mississippi State University, and before that, an ordained Baptist minister who taught Bible classes at various Bible colleges. In 1989, in a relatively obscure book called Chronos Charis Christos, Nativity and Chronological Studies presented to Jack Finnegan, Vardaman introduced the world to his concept of microletters. While researching in the British Museum coin room in 1984, he claims to have discovered tiny inscriptions on coins and other artifacts with lettering smaller than a millimeter height, needing a magnifying glass to even make them out. Documented not with photographs nor scans, but rather his own illustrations, Vardaman claimed to see etching representing dates in Roman numerals, the names of political officials, and even a few direct mentions of Jesus himself, somehow credited on early 1st century Roman coins with the title Rex Jesus, or King Jesus. The fact that the letter J would not be invented until 1,500 years after the coin's minting is the least of the problems with such a strange idea. Even granting the veracity of these micro-letters, none mention Quirinius. Rather, they gave Vardaman a reason to place the death of Aemilius Secundus Sr. at 11 B.C., kicking off a long, complicated causal chain that ends with placing Jesus' birth at 12 B.C. and his death at 19 A.D rather than the generally accepted ballpark of 30 AD, which is arguably better supported with historical details. Despite the potential implications of the existence of microletters on ancient coins, Vardaman never submitted a paper on the discovery to peer review. Instead, he spoke of his findings a handful of times to religious studies audiences, never to archaeologists.
2: Hi everyone, if you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up.
0: You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
2: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available
1: in all states. To date, there have been no recorded attempts to verify Vardman's findings on the coins he references. Indeed, in the 35 years that have passed, no published archaeology paper has referenced microletters in any context. While a book like McCrae's might be willing to mention this in a single sentence in passing, it makes sense that a detective like Wallace expresses little confidence in this coin claim. Or there's also a base of a statue that has been erected in a city in Antioch that relates to Corinius. There were two mentions of Corinius in that find in Antioch by Pisidia, ILS 9502 and 9503. Both appear to be dedications to a statue of C. Carstantius Fronto Cassianus Iulius, listing other contemporary officials, and both mentioning P. Sulpicius Carinius to Dumvir. Dumvir refers to someone holding a co-office, and prefect would have been a chief officer or magistrate of something. With archaeologists locking the date of this inscription to between 10 and 7 BC, we have Carinius in some kind of leadership position during the time of Herod, and Wallace says the find was in Antioch. A glance at the map of the back of your Bible shows that Antioch is in Syria, so this seems very affirmational. Unfortunately, the Antioch in Syria is not where this find happened. It was over in the other Antioch. Yes, there are two Antiochs. In fact, both are mentioned in the book of Acts. Syrian Antioch in Acts 11 and Antioch in Pisidia in Acts 13. Where the inscription was found was actually a couple of provinces west of Syria. Not in Syria, as some sloppy scholarship on this find likes to imply through omission. Corinius as a mere co-magistrate a few provinces away from Syria is a far cry from Luke's attestation of a governor of Syria. Some
2: scholars like Tertullian think that there's a second term, perhaps that Corinius was working under Governor Saturninus, and so you've got one reign in which he's procurator under that governor in which
1: he may assume his title, and then another reign in which he's governor himself. As Wallace tacitly admits, the Roman Empire is quite well documented and the line of governors of Syria well established. During the prime spot where Jesus' birth is thought to have happened, Saturninus is definitely governor. The proposal here is that maybe Quirinius served under Saturninus and oversaw some kind of census during that period, acting with the actual governor's authority. This would obviously still make the author of Luke's claim an overstatement, but perhaps a subtlety that was not viewed as such at the time. ILS 918, known as the Tivoli inscription, now in the Vatican Museum, that an unknown person was proconsul of Asia, and twice legate of Syria, though the grammar of the Latin is ambiguous and disputed. Some would like to say this inscription is about Corinius, though the person is unnamed. However, we simultaneously know that Corinius spent Saturninus' reign carrying on a war against the homonadensis tribe in the mountain district between Phrygia, Cilicia, and Lycaonia in the region of Galatia, far, far away from Syria, and then served as legate of Galatia. When a suspect can prove they were in one place rather than another, a detective like Wallace would call that an alibi. Probably why he doesn't put much stock in this double governorship idea.
2: These are offers that people have made over time on this issue. But from my perspective, as I look at this, that to say it's not reasonable that they would have taken more than one sentence, it's not reasonable that Corinius may have used the title of governor as he's working for a governor. These are assumptions we make about history that are based on the writings of other
1: ancient authors. If our high-profile Christian apologist cold case detective thinks these are unconvincing, maybe we can all follow his lead. My only observation here is my experience
2: in working these cases, and probably yours too, is that the folks who are investigating the case early actually have better access to the information than we do. So I'm interested in seeing what do the earliest people say related to the reliability of Luke's gospel? Is this an issue for them? you have people who were very early in history who seem to be able to harmonize these events without any problem. So I'm wondering, why did they not have a problem, and we do? And there appears to be a contradiction, but there wasn't a contradiction to them. So I've got to think deeply about what is it
1: that I'm not seeing that they clearly saw. In other words, J. Warner Wallace admits that this is a contradiction, or at least appears to be. His solution to this seemingly impossible dating is to appeal to silence. To assume that the authors of the writings that survived generally theologians, not historians, were well-versed enough in Roman history that they would have been able to identify this error if it had been one. Whatever you think about the dating of the writing of the Gospels, they were at least 40 years after Jesus' birth. Herod would have been a remembered figure, and it's possible that the census of Quirinius was the most memorable one to have happened in the region all those decades ago, which is why the author of Luke might have chosen to include it even if all the details didn't quite line up. In 1st century Rome, 40 years was longer than the average lifespan. And we're talking at least 100 years after Jesus' birth, when any scholars were taking a close look like Wallace suggests. Without Google and precise calendar adherence, vaguely remembered events within the same decade probably seemed close enough to most. Wallace isn't wrong. Perhaps there is some piece of information that a 1st century Middle Eastern person had that would make these contradicting dates not contradict at all. Maybe one day some archaeologists will find this missing piece and the Gospel of Luke will be vindicated. But until then, it would probably be in Christians' best interest to admit, as Wallace does, that there is currently an unresolved contradiction in the Bible. Of course, it's equally possible that one of the many documents from early Christianity that we know existed because they're referenced by name, but were not copied for posterity because they were deemed unorthodox, could have contained exactly this objection right from the first. Or you could go one step further and realize that the author of Luke was using oral tradition sources that he was unable to personally verify, and simply got a few things wrong, either by accident or sheer creative license, correctly assuming that most of the audience wouldn't notice and wouldn't care. Until some new evidence comes along, we can't say Jesus was born in the time of Herod and while Quirinius was governor of Syria.
0: I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you. For sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking calatrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. T-O-R-Y using the code 30605.